welcome to Unlocking Insight, a monthly podcast devoted to nurturing and empowering you. I am your host, Ezra, Voice of Reason. Today's podcast is a recording of a webinar that I delivered on the topic of well-being matters. In this episode, I will be focusing on four key areas, which are exploring ways to improve and maintain well-being, examining the different elements that can impact on our mental health, reviewing my toolkit, which is the well-being continuum tool, and discussing and identifying different tools that can be used to aid our well-being. So leave a comment or a voice note and let me know your thoughts on this topic and any other issues that you would like me to cover in future podcasts. And you can find me on YouTube at Ezra Voice of Reason, on Instagram at Edifying Answers, and on Facebook at Edify the People. Our next podcast will commence on the 21st of October. And the next topic that we will be exploring is imposter syndrome. think it's really important um, that we are aware of there is so many factors there's so many situations that can have an impact um, on our well-being and I call it the onion approach onion approach sorry because there is so many different areas that can can impact on how we think feel and behave you know whether it's workload or working long hours whether it's the winter period, you know, people who suffer with sad seasonal affective disorder, whether it's because of relationships and this, the strain and the stress of that, you know, physical, emotional pain, you know, the list goes on. Isolation, you know, environmental um, pressures. There's a whole range of different things that can come up that can have an impact on our well-being, you know. And so it's really important that we are looking at those things that we can do to help combat that, the things that we can do to minimize the impact that things have on our well-being. And so I am glad that people could actually identify quite quickly something that you have done to support yourself because it's key in terms of maintaining your well-being. And one of the things that I often say to people, if we think of well-being like brushing your teeth, we never brush our teeth once and say, oh, that's it for the week or that's it for the month. We do it every day and sometimes twice a day. And so it's really important that we are taking time out and we're doing those things to support our well-being. So think of it as your internal version of brushing your teeth. Because at the end of the day, sometimes maintaining our well-being can seem like a mountain climb during difficult times. And, you know, the moment that we're in right now, COVID, you know, isolation, not being able to see our families, you know, people have lost their jobs, they've lost loved ones. There's been so many different factors 
that have had an impact on our well-being. And our resilience has had to upgrade. We've had to manage differently. We've had to, you know, be able to find different ways to manage and cope um, with the stresses that, that is, you know, impacting on us in this time. And so it's really important that we do take time out to just think, out, think about and focus on our well-being, on our mental and our physical well-being. And I think the key thing that I do want people to remember is that it's something that is done step by step. We don't get there straight away. And in different periods in our life, it will be difficult to maintain that well-being. And we have to do the best that we can do in that moment where we're at. And for me, it's about taking it a day at a time. And, you know, if we focus on living in the moment, taking it a day at a time just for today then life is much more easier for us to manage there was a poem that was written once and it was called just for today and the theme of it was basically saying when we hold on to the past that has already gone and cannot be changed and when we are dwelling on the future that we don't know whether that's actually going to happen that is when life becomes unmanageable but when we focus on today you see today is a gift which is why we call it present and if we focus on today and do what we need to do for today life becomes just that bit more manageable and so what's been interesting in terms of the research it has really shown that you know nature is essential to our psychological and our emotional health the mental health foundation has showed from their research that you know, the, the um, mental health impacts of the pandemic have showed that going for walks outside has been one of the top coping strategies. And 45% of individuals reported being in green spaces has had a vital benefit to their mental health. Wider studies have also shown that during the lockdowns, people are not only, um, you know, going into nature more, but they're noticing it more and it's having profound effects on people's mental health. And so one way of us to be able to bounce back from the pressures and the stresses that we are facing in this time is getting outside more, is connecting with nature. And so it's as if people are rediscovering the most fragile part of our fundamental human need, and that is to be connected with nature. You know, and so it's really important as much as you can, you know, do get out, go for those walks, you know, sit out in the sun when it's nice, go to the park, go for a ride, whatever those things that you can do, the small things that you can do to ensure your own well-being is vitally important. So I want us to look at the well-being continuum model that I designed, because well-being is fluid. And it changes over time based on our experiences and our coping mechanisms. And so it's really important that we understand, and for you, where do you sit on this continuum at the moment? Where, where, where is it for you that you feel um, that you are placed? And so we have, when we look at it vertically, we have where there's no mental, emotional, or physical problems. And then we go up to the top 
of the scale where there is a maximum amount, where it's overload, where it's kind of too much to handle. Then we have, when we look across horizontally, we have where there's no to little um, mental issues or concerns. And then over to the left-hand side is where it's severe uh, well-being issues or concerns. And so it's really important that we are aware where we're at right now, because we all tend to move from this. It's fluid, it's always changing vertically and horizontally, depending on the events that we are experiencing and the coping strategies that we have to manage them. And so <clears throat> when we look at the bottom right-hand quadrant, because there's four different quadrants for this, this is a person who has little to no mental, emotional, or physical uh, well-being or fitness concerns, but is still experiencing a poor level of well-being. Okay, and this could be anything from limiting beliefs, rumination, so how they are thinking on things of the past or worrying about the things of the future that's not actually happened yet. It could be the mind traps that someone's operating out of, all or nothing syndrome. You know, it could be just stress, stresses that's, that's, that's impacted on someone. Worry, anxiety, things like weight gain, you know, tiredness, lack of sleep. So these are things where the individual, you know, can not necessarily be experiencing um, a real amount of problems, but yet still their mental health is being affected or their physical health is being affected in some way. And then we have the person in the top right-hand quadrant who is a person who has little to no mental, emotional, or physical needs and has a positive level of well-being. Yeah, so that person who they may have a stress happen at work, but they manage it, they cope with it, and they keep it moving. It's not having a long-term impact on them. Then we have the individual on the bottom left-hand quadrant. And this is a person with severe mental, emotional, or physical well-being issues who is struggling to cope with experiencing um, a poor level of well-being. And this could be anything from diagnosis, um, suffering with PTSD, you know, um, diagnosed with anxiety or depression, panic disorder, phobias, you know, trauma or loss, whether that be a physical loss in terms of loss of limbs, whether it be loss in terms of divorce, whether it be loss of a loved one. So this could be where, you know, there's been a severe incident that's happened and it's really impacted on someone's well-being. And then in the final top left-hand quadrant is that individual who has experienced severe well-being issues or concerns, but has been able to develop a coping mechanism, having support in place, and they're able to manage that, whether that's counseling, whether that's therapy, whether that's you know um, using whatever kind of mechanisms that works for that individual to be able to manage and get through and still maintain a good level of um, mental, emotional, and physical well-being. So I'm just touching on the model today. Normally, if we was doing a, a long training, I would go through and get us to do exercises around this. But it's just for you to start to think about where it is you fit in that quadrant based on what's going on for you. 
And the key thing about it is wherever you are at, it's really important that you do have a well-being toolkit, your own box of resources that you know that you can tap into, whether that be internal or external. It should be a combination of both. So it could be deep breathing exercises. It could be mindfulness. It could be yoga. It could be a friend that you can talk to. It could be a coach. It could be a mentor. It could be a counselor. You know, it could be a colleague. It could be your manager. But it's important that you are aware of your own well-being toolkit. Just like a plumber, when they go out to their job, they need to know all the different resources that they have and their tools. Well, for you to navigate through life, you need to have your well-being toolkit that you know that you can pull from when the need comes from it, comes for it. So I want us to kind of look at the five ways to well-being. And this is an a, um, a international model um, that was researched by the New Economics Foundation. And what it basically shows is that there is five simple things that individuals can do as part of your daily life, whether at work or at home, to build resilience, to boost your well-being, and lower the risk of developing mental health issues. And this is known internationally as the five ways to well-being. So the first part of this is around being active, okay? So as well as improving our physical health and fitness, being active can also improve our mood and our overall mental well-being. It, it decreases stress, um, depression, and anxiety. And being active is so fundamental. It's so important for our overall well-being. I remember when I was reading, uh, looking up some of the benefits of just walking. And if someone has had a heart attack, okay, and they start walking, for 30 minutes every day, it reduces the chances of a second heart attack by 70%, seven zero. You know, so the things that we are doing in terms of being active, it's so important. And one of the reasons why it helps to decrease things like stress, depression, and anxiety is because when we are exercising, we are releasing serotonin and dopamine and endorphins. And these chemicals, serotonin helps to regulate things like mood, temperature, and sleep. Dopamine gives us that feel good. And endorphins also help us to feel good and to feel better. And so when we are being physically active, chemically, and from an internal place, we are actually healing ourselves. We are helping ourselves to feel better, to recover, and to manage things. And so it's really important that we are getting out and we are doing things. One of the things that I always do say to people is that when we're looking at the area of be active, you have to do things that you enjoy. Okay, everyone or not everyone. So people often think when we think about being active, it means going to the gym. And that's only one of many things you can do. And so whether it is dancing, if you like dancing, put on a CD and dance. You know, if you like gardening, go outside and do some gardening, because I guarantee you, when you finish, you will be sweating. You know, whether it's riding a bike, whether it's walking, whatever you like to do, find a way that you can use that, because then you'll be motivated to do it. You won't have to be 
in a place where you're highly motivated, which is the only time when you will do it. If it's something that you naturally enjoy, you will want to do it. And so it's really important to, to kind of take a moment and think about what are the things that you like doing that can involve you being active and start to do it. Start small. Small marginal gains is what's important because if you do something small and you're consistent with it throughout the year, it's much better than doing something zealously for three weeks and then stopping. The next thing is connect. So when we're talking about connect, we're talking about how are and who are and what are you connecting with? So evidence shows that connecting with others, including colleagues, friends, family, and the wider community promotes well-being. Because really the opposite, if we're looking at it as a continuum of connection, is isolation. And so it's really key that we are connecting with other people, that we are connecting with other resources. And so it's really important that we do take time out especially in this time period, who and what are you connecting with? What are you doing to make sure that you are connecting and feeling and not feeling isolated? I was looking at a study, which it was one of the longest studies ever, ever done. I think it was a hundred and it was over a hundred thousand people um, over 70 years, this study was done. And it basically looked at um, what is the fundamental component in terms of ensuring people's longevity and well-being. And they looked at all different factors across all different demographics. So they looked at whether you're um, smoking or not smoking, exercise or don't exercise, uh, if you know how they eat, all these different factors. And do you know what was interesting was the number one common denominator that they found to be most important? It was connections. And it wasn't so much about how many people you connected with, but it was about the richness of those connections. Was it someone that you could call upon when you was in trouble? Was it someone that you could share your vulnerabilities with and know that they would support you? Was it someone that you felt would accept you for who you are? And that was the number one factor in terms of what ensured people's longevity. And that's not to say that all the other areas wasn't important because they are, but it's so interesting how fundamentally important being connected is. And so whether it is um, online, like what we're doing now, whether it is face-to-face, -face, whether it is phone calls, whether it is FaceTimes, we do need to find ways to ensure that we are staying connected. And one of the interesting things that I find as well is that with that connection, it's not just people. So one of the things that people find is it could be their dog. It could be their cat, you know, it could be um, nature, you know, interestingly that the theme of mental health awareness this month is around nature, you know, water is actually shown to have a healing property for people. That is why most of the time when people go on holiday, where would you find that they will often be at the beach? Why? Because they're near water. That's also why even some of you may find that when you're in the shower or in the bath, that things come to you because it's a soothing place for you. Water is a soothing thing. We are 60, 70% made of water. If a child is born and the labor is done in water, the child will come out swimming. So water is natural to us. 
it's only if someone's had a really bad experience with it that they don't like water but it's something that's actually quite profound in terms of helping us to feel good and so it's really important what are you connecting with who are you connecting with it's really important and so strong relationships with others are an essential part of building resilience and boosting your well-being so it's really important having someone that you can share your problem with and have it halved so it's really important just think about as we're going through these different five areas what's maybe one or two things that you're going to choose to do or pay more attention to or set a goal for yourself to achieve the third one is around take notice and this is really really important this area it's remembering to take time out to consider the simple things that bring you joy it's paying attention and increasing your awareness your concentration and your focus on the current mood on tasks that you are doing because these things are shown to improve your well-being and your mood and you know simple things like having gratitude being grateful for the day being grateful for what you have being grateful for the good memories that you have. And it's about having mindfulness, being present in the moment without judgment, without preference, and taking time to acknowledge not just the things that you have done, but the things that other people have done that's helped you in your life. And it's also about having that kind of, you know, deep breathing and, and being aware of your breath. You know, breath is so powerful. It's the first and the last thing you will ever do. And so with our breathing, a lot of people don't realize that with our breathing, we can actually shape our mood, our feelings and our behaviors just by our breath. So our autonomic system, which consists of the, the kind of um, fight or flight or what is known as your synthetic system or your parasympathetic nervous system. So your synthetic nervous system is where your fight or flight response happens. And so whenever that kicks in, we have shorter breaths, tunnel vision, butterflies in the stomach, all of that stuff is happening. But whenever we do that, it triggers off because it's our stress hormones, it triggers off cortisol, which is not good when it's released in our body in huge amounts. But when we operate out of our parasympathetic nervous system, which is known as our rest and digest, this helps to calm us. It helps to soothe us. So for those individuals um, who suffer with panic attacks, say, for example, if an emergency services are called, they don't give them any medication. They won't give them anything but a brown bag and they'll tell them to take deep breaths. The reason for this is because they want the individual to activate their parasympathetic nervous system, their rest and digest. And as they do that, the body will calm itself down. And so it's really important to be aware of your breath, because when it starts to change, it's telling you what's going on in your body. It lets you know that you're anxious or worried about something. And you can then start to be mindful and use breathing exercises to calm yourself down. And so there's so many different things around taking notice that we can do, whether it's journaling, you know, whether it's focusing on your breath, whether it's doing body scans, whether it's just sitting uh, quietly in the park or in your room and just reflecting. You know, there's so many different things that we can do. Practicing gratitude daily, 
You know, when you get up first thing in the morning, just think about five things to be grateful for because then you're focusing your mind on the positive rather than reliving yesterday and worrying about the concerns that you left when you went to sleep the day before. And so it's really important that we are mindful and that we take notice because paying more attention to the present moment, to thoughts, feelings, and the world around us can actually boost our well-being. And one of the things that I would say is don't be um, thought-focused. Don't look at the problems, the things that you're doing wrong, the things that other people are doing wrong, but be positive-focused. Look at the good in yourself and look at the good in others. You know, anyone can be a thought-finder, you know, but it takes, it takes courage and power to be optimistic, you know? And so I would encourage you to operate out of that. Because one thing that I know to be true is where the mind goes, the energy flows. Where the mind goes, the energy flows. So let your energy go into those positive things because that's where you're focusing on. And then we have keep learning. And you know, every day should be a school day. Every day should be a lesson. Every day should be something that we learn, whether it's about ourselves, whether it's about situations, whether it's about life, whether it's about other people. And it's really important that we embrace new experiences, see new opportunities, and we surprise ourselves. We try, we do, we overcome. And so setting goals, you know, being open to new ideas and, and continuing to learn is, is so paramount because the mind is a muscle. And if you don't use it, you lose it, just like with our physical muscles. And so it's really important that we, we use it so that we can grow mentally, so we can have a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. And that could be anything from podcasts, TED Talks, books, you know, magazines, booklets, articles, whatever floats your boat. You know, but it's important that we do continue the journey of learning. Even today, hopefully you will learn something from this talk. And that may be something that you can take away and apply to your life and share with someone else. And so it's really important that we embrace learning. We should be learning every day. Even if you look at someone or something that happens and it teaches you to never do that. If you learn to say, I'm never going to operate that way. But we should be always learning. And being curious and seeking out new experiences positively stimulates the brain. And that's what neuroplasticity is about. That when we are triggering our brain in a certain way to create new neural pathways, that they actually strengthen and adapt how the brain thinks. And so we are actually able to continuously upgrade our, our brains by continuously operating in certain behaviors. And once it forms a habit, and habit is a well-traveled pathway. And this is why whenever you're trying to do something, in the beginning, the reason why it's so difficult, because it's just a faint kind of pulse in your brain. But the more that you do it is you're carving out a pathway. And so whatever you do, do it consistently. And you will start to see you do it like second nature. Just like if you've been driving for five, 10, 15 years, you don't even think about it, it's automatic now because it's a well carved out pathway in your brain. That is neuroplasticity. And then we have give. 
which is your time, your words, your presence, whatever it is for you. And giving is more than just sharing material with others. It's about cultivating a spirit of generosity and actively supporting others. Now, one of the interesting things about give and giving and supporting others is it's a twofold blessing because it blesses you as the giver and it blesses the receiver where they're receiving from you. And this is so um, powerful and important because this is how relationships, families, communities, and nations develop because we are social creatures. And whenever we are giving and sharing and doing these things, we actually um, are releasing oxytocin. And oxytocin is what is known as the hug or the love hormone. It's paramount in relationships developing. It's why you miss someone when they're not there. Oxytocin is the primary hormone that causes a mother to produce milk when she sees her child. And so this is fundamental in terms of relationships being built and developed and cemented. And so it's really important in terms of giving, whether it's your time, whether it's your air, whether it's a thank you, whether it's in some way to support someone, giving is so important. And it could be just a simple thing as a compliment and saying hello, you know, but there's so many ways that we can give. But one of the things that I often do highlight to people um, when I'm talking about the give element is that you have to also give to yourself. One of the things that I find is, especially with people who are great givers, is that they're pouring out and they're pouring out and they're pouring out. And the truth of the matter is, you cannot pour from an empty jug. If you are continuously pouring out and you are not building yourself back up and you are not giving time for yourself and you're not doing these things to support and maintain your own well-being, then you will break down. And so it's really key and it's really important to, to take time out for yourself. And some people would say, I've got to be selfish. It's not being selfish. It's self-fullness. It's not selfish. It's self-fullness. It's appreciating, recognizing, and understand on all levels where you need to support yourself to ensure your well-being. Selffulness is the cousin of mindfulness. They work hand in hand. And so it's really important that you are given time for yourself. Because if you're jug, imagine your jug in terms of your motivation, your giving, and all of this stuff is at 20%. You can only give 100% out of 20%. But if your jug is at 90%, you can give 100% out of 90% to your parents, partner, children, colleagues, whoever it may be. And so follow the example of what they do on a plane. Because whenever something happens on the plane or, or before the plane goes off and they will tell you, if the pressure goes down and the mask come down, they say to pull it on who first? You. So if you've got four children, they said to put it on you first. Why? Because if you're putting it on your children and you get to put it on three of them and you pass out, who's going to look after them? But if you put it on yourself first and you are able now to support every single one of those children. And so it's important in life that you give time for you. So I want to encourage you and to say to you every day, every day, give time for yourself. I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, but every day, 
give time for yourself because I guarantee you within that 24 hours, there's gonna be many people taken from you. There's gonna be many experiences and situations taken from you. And so you need to make sure that you are vigilant, disciplined and determined in giving time to yourself. Because remember, this is your internal version of brushing your teeth. And so giving makes us feel good. Carrying out acts of kindness, whether small or large, can increase happiness, life satisfaction, and a general sense of well-being. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it useful. To find out more about what I do and my organization, Edifying Answers, go to www.edifyinganswers.com. This is Ezra, aka The Voice of Reason, over and out.